Hi all, it's great to be with you this morning. As maybe you could tell, I love doing baptisms. It's one of the greatest joys of being ordained. So thank you, Aidan. I love to do uh, weddings too. It's a little while, in a little while, I have a baptism for Lyra, a, a baby of a couple that I married in 2021. Such joy combining those two. But also it's an honor to help families as they go through a funeral. It's a privilege to come alongside families as they struggle sometimes to understand the loss of a loved one. Now today's passage doesn't seem the obvious subject for a service of such joy as we welcome Aidan in baptism. But Jesus is concerned and he's passionate about every and all aspects of our lives. And he cares intimately for each of us as we go through the best of times in life and the worst and everything in between. In today's Bible passage that we have just heard read, Jesus confronts head-on the topics of murder and anger. In the last 12 months in England and Wales, there have been 602 murders. Can you imagine being one of those families struggling to come to terms with this such unnatural death? And so quite rightly, Jesus reminds those listening as he's talking to those, that huge crowd that has gathered to hear his words, listening to this man who speaks with such wisdom and authority, crowds that have flocked from so far and in such numbers. And now Jesus is standing on top of the hill so that he can be heard. And that is why we refer to these words that Matthew captures as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Now, not killing another person is at the very heart of the fundamentals, what it means to be a civilised society. There's no government across the world that allows murder, whatever their cultural background or dominant faith or beliefs. Jesus is citing the sixth commandment. Jesus is citing the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. Now, I hope that most of the people here find this commandment quite easy to obey. Now, I was wondering on whether to ask you a question. I've actually decided not to ask you this question this morning. Statistically, I thought I'd be quite safe, but I was going to ask you that if you had killed somebody to raise your hand. I am not asking you to do that, but let's assume that if I did, there would be no one here that would raise their hands. If there was someone, however, who had done so and had served your, their time, I would hope that we would be a church that would welcome you to worship here with us. If this is the standard by which we go by, then I think we're all pretty good. Have you ever heard anybody say, I'm not that bad, I haven't actually killed somebody? Jesus then does something so incredible. He doesn't refute this commandment, far from it. In fact, just before the verses we are looking at today, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. Rather, he gets to the very heart of each commandment, unlike any Jewish teacher has done before him. As Jesus says, You have heard that, but I tell you. What Jesus says is outrageous. It's like me saying to you that you've heard all the other ministers here, 
Patrick and Philip before him and Julian before him. But I tell you, to those listening to Jesus on that mount, this would have been outrageous. It would have certainly got their interest. This travelling preacher was so different. As Peter once said to Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. No wonder that the crowd listened to every word. Jesus ups what all other religious leaders would have said before him. Let's look at what he says next. In verse 22, Jesus says, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now I'm going to ask a question to you that you can all respond to by putting up your hand. Please put up your hand if you've ever been angry. Yeah, I think everybody's put up their hand. Jesus has now touched on something that touches all of us. Something that in extreme cases can lead to murder, but rarely does. But Jesus doesn't want us to live like this with anger. Jesus would at a different time say, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus doesn't want us just to obey the command as it is. He wants us to get to the heart of the emotion that leads to extremes to breaking this commandment, anger. Jesus wants us to not just lead a good life on the surface, but for us to have joy and peace in our hearts too, deep down in our true selves, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Lion, The Witch and The Wardrobe, was one of the most famous people to write clearly about Christianity in the 20th century. He wrote about anger, writing this. One person may be so placed that their anger sheds the blood of thousands, and another so placed that however angry they get, they will only be laughed at. But the little mark on the soul may be much the same in both. Each has done something to themselves which, unless they repent, will make it harder for them to keep out of, of, out of the rage next time they are tempted, and will make rage worse when they do fall into it. Each of them, if they seriously turn to God, can have that twist in the central person straighted out again. Each is, in the long run, doomed if they do not. The bigness or smallness of the thing, seen from the outside, is not what really matters. Isn't that an amazing quote? Anger affects us all. The angry person and those receiving the brunt of that anger family, friends, work colleagues. Anger comes in a huge ray of emotions from mild irritation at one end of the spectrum to blind rage at the other. But what do we do with our anger? Jesus then call, talks about anger towards someone else. Sometimes our anger leads us to look down on someone else. Jesus says, Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, raka is an Arabic word of contempt. 
Arabic being the common language of Israelites. Think sort of idiot or moron or whatever word you find yourself thinking, if not saying, when somebody really riles you. Assassinating their character, belittling them. Now, when our children were small, uh, Claire and I had a rule that they had to remember, that they've actually remembered all their lives. And they remind us about now. We never call anyone stupid. Now, hang on. Some of you might be thinking, hang on, didn't Jesus get angry? And actually, yes, he did. Once he turned over the traders' tables in the temple because they had turned his father's house of prayer into a den of robbers. There is such a thing as righteous anger. When we are angry about injustice, or when we sometimes see somebody being abused, or calling someone raka, maybe. But how often is our anger this type of righteous anger? Or is it just because we haven't got our own way? So much more the latter, I am, I am sure. Well, it is with me. Jesus loves us so much, and we have already seen that he wants us to have joy in its fullest. And a life full of anger is not this. Jesus longs for us to be at peace. He is the most loving human being there has ever been. Jesus said this, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Adding, You are my friends if you do what I command. This is the love that he shows each of us, that he laid down his life for each of us, his friends, as he willingly went to his death for each of us on that cross. In our passage, Jesus talks about us being in danger of the fire of hell, and he longs for us to be saved. We all need salvation. We all need a saviour. Sometimes when we're angry, we feel like the fires of hell are already here, and this too is what Jesus longs to save us from. We all have to suffer from time to time with disappointment, imperfection, even misery in our lives. Anger is a very real reality for many of us. The good news is that Jesus came to soak up the fires of hell in our place. Yes, on that final day when we die and meet our Maker, but also he longs to make this change for us now, in this life, today. Jesus longs to help us change from angry people to peaceful, joyful people today. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples and closest friends, would, as an old man, write this about Jesus when he was put to death. When they hurled their insult at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. About those that put him to death, Jesus said, as he was dying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus came to be our saviour. Our anger, your anger, my anger, is the problem. The problem that hurts ourselves and others. It also is the problem that starts with our own self-centeredness. God has come in Jesus to change this, to set us free from our anger. The change comes when we realise that anger is a sin problem. It's too easy to put the cause of anger in our lives on other people. It's my children, or my wife, or my husband, my boss, the cat, the government, and countless other things. 
but it's certainly not my fault. Jesus was once asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. These two commandments go together. Love God and love your neighbour as yourself. In relation to anger, consider that second commandment. Love your neighbour as yourself. How often when the anger rises, are we not loving the other person as we would want to be loved? This is really saying, put yourself in the other person's shoes. When somebody riles us with an inflammatory word or a reply, what is going on in their lives? Are we thinking that? What's caused them to respond like this? So often anger comes from our own selfishness, where we are totally focused on what we need and not on what the other person needs and what they are going through. How many times have you seen a chain of emails or an argument getting worse and worse as response, responses get more vitriolic as the rage rises and rises? Simon Weil, a French Christian philosopher, talks about these moments just before you let rip with your reply flying across the internet or the room. She suggests to just stop, pause, allow a moment, a moment to let God into the situation in his Holy Spirit. The Spirit, Holy Spirit is God's spirit of love, of counsel, and is the way of God coming alongside us. I have found this so helpful. Try it, even if you are listening today without a faith. This pause is so helpful. But when anger does go too far, and there is a breakdown in our relationships, Jesus longs for there to be a reconciliation. Maybe right now you have something in your life, someone in your life who you've fallen out with, maybe a long time ago, or maybe much more recently. Jesus loves for people to be reconciled, to forgive each other, to be at peace with each other. I think this is particularly sad within a family. This is the part of our passage where Jesus says, Therefore, if you, have, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Now the situation that Jesus is talking about isn't just as easy as popping back home from here at Holy Trinity Claygate to your home a couple of miles away in the car. In the first century, people would have travelled by foot to Jerusalem, to the temple, from wherever they live, to offer their sacrifice. For them to stop, leave the goat or dove to sacrifice, and travel home to be reconciled would have been a very long trip. Jesus came from Nazareth, and so for those Nazarenes like him, that would have been a round trip of 170 miles. Reconciliation, can you see? is really important to God. Again, Jesus wanted anger to be turned to peace. Jesus finishes 
our passage this morning by bringing the same reconciling spirit to legal issues, which for those lawyers in the congregation, I'm sure you would agree with Jesus' advice. Jesus says, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Jesus longs for all of us to be at peace with ourselves and at peace with all our neighbours, neighbours in all aspects of our lives. So whether we are at the start of our lives like Aidan is, or in the middle of our lives, or at the end, Jesus longs to bring his love into each and every one of our lives and to into each and every day of, of ours. So may God bless you and may you know his peace. Amen.